We're back, friends. The Spectre here again, but I'm not alone. We have a special guest on tonight. He's a dear friend of the Time to Die Radio Network, and he's known only as the Night Cleaner. And you are known only as the Spectre? It seems we both have a taste for anonymity. Indeed, friend. Tell us, what does a night cleaner do exactly? I'm glad you asked, Mr. Spectre. Only, not really. You see, my employers also have a taste for anonymity. To be perfectly honest, I'm not even sure of the name of my place of work. But what I do is clean up the gristle and the gore after a long day of dissections. <laughs> you work in a morgue? How delightfully macabre! Indeed. It's dreary work, but the nights aren't so terrible if one knows how to pass the time. And I take it you do? You take it correctly, sir. Are you a fan of stories, Mr. Spectre? I dare say I can't get enough of them, and the creepier the better. In fact, we're continuing a particularly thrilling one tonight. You're a spirit after my own heart. I, too, am a collector of tales. I like to pass the time recounting and sharing the ones I've collected. Why, that's just fine. And so, radio listeners, if you would like to hear the Night Cleaner's tales, you can find it wherever you get your Time to Die shows. And now... Let's return to our own creepy tale. When we last joined our investigators, they were... Uh, night Cleaner, would you care to do the honors? I'd be delighted. What do you need? Just read the recap lines here. Very well. <clears throat> Let's see here... When we last joined our investigators, Elliot Halloway left the Four Seasons to stay at the boarding house near the Beaver Trading Post in Pembine. There, he and Ronnie bumped into Dr. Dorothy Greenbank. You should add some flourish to her name. It's delightful to say Greenbank. Apologies, uh... <clears throat> Dr. Dorothy Greenbank. Splendid. <laughs> I'm so invested now. Do go on. They met up with Dr. Dorothy Greenbank and recounted their strange eyewitness accounts. I got a theory that might interest you. All right, I'm interested. A bear. That's, yes, that's a very possible theory. Admittedly, I was hoping for something a little bit more exciting. A bear with a gun. I don't think that's physically possible. Afterwards, 
they drove back to the Four Seasons Resort and listened to Dart Vandermeek's side of the story. I mean, how much did you tell her? You, you, you gave her the full rundown? I don't know. He did. Oh, uh, yes, the, the hands, yeah, okay. glass. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I light up another cigarette. <clears throat> yeah, so... It looked like the glass kind of almost like fogged over and there were these handprints in it. Vandermeek and Greenbank went to chat with the general manager of the Four Seasons. I just wanted to make my presence known before I started poking around at anything. Well, and if I see anything weird, I'll make sure to let you know. But I'm kind of working with a theory that it's probably some kids or something of the like, because, well, it's pretty boring up here. And soon... All four investigators regrouped to find the pieces of shattered glass in the Four Seasons dumpsters out back. Oh, I hear something. It's in the bin with the towels. (laughs) 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 It's always the last place you look. With the glass located, they agreed to continue their investigation at a later time. And that night, while the doctor and the bartender and the jazz musician enjoyed their time at the Four Seasons Palm Lounge, Elliot Halloway returned to his room at the Beaver Trading Post, where he encountered an unpleasant surprise. So you can see that the the snow is making impressions, but you can't see anything making them. And you look and you can see that the snow is painted red. And oh dear, there's a mound sort of laying there. You notice that there is a well-laundered suit and a lot of blood, just a tremendous amount of blood. And then the next thing you know, it's summer and you're coming back through the woods and you know this area like the back of your hand and there's this bald man out front and he's chopping wood and he slaps you across the face and then grabs you by your hair and begins to drag you inside and you can feel your your pants getting warm as as you wet yourself and you're being dragged into this cabin and you're screaming and you're pleading and you're begging and then you wake up incredibly cold next to this body i need i need help there's there's a man down out here it looks like he's suffered incredible injuries i need help quick call the police if you can It would sure beat cleaning after cadavers, but my employers are the jealous types. I have to assume they're always listening. Well, if they are, I hope they enjoy our continuation of the Devil's Antlers.
we will actually open with a fairly reoccurring dream that you have, uh, Dorothy. You walk into your home, and it's still decorated the way that it was in uh, the early 1940s, and you see your sturdy, mustachioed husband, and he's bustling over uh, some dishes, and he turns around and he looks at you and he says, uh, Oh, hey. How was your day? It was pretty good, Alfred. How was yours? Oh, you know, uh, not too bad. Uh, went for a walk. Uh, got a letter today, though. What kind of letter? Is it something from Madison again? God knows they're always trying to get you. No, uh, no, it's, uh, well, I guess, you know, since the draft office is in Madison, uh, I guess, you know, it would be from Madison. Because, uh, you know, I got, I got drafted. Alfred. Pacific or Europe? Not that it makes a difference. Going to the Pacific, uh, you know how I, I love boats. Can I see the, can I see the letter? I, I don't... He will, um walk over to the counter and he'll grab the letter and he'll set it on the table in front of you and as you look at the letter you then look up at the chair and you see Elliot Holloway sitting in the chair across from you. Your husband acknowledges him as, as well but he doesn't seem surprised by this like he's just ambivalent to it almost but Elliot you seem rather surprised to um, be in this place right now oh yeah that's uh pretty weird <laughs> like am i like sentient in this dream yeah no you're fully cognizant you can say whatever you want you are there um <laughs> holy shit i don't even know what to fucking say uh elliot yes dr greenbank what, which one? Right now, there's two Dr. Greenbanks. Yes, of, of course. Uh, pardon me. Um, uh, you, Dorothy, um, it's uh, nice to see you. I, I wasn't expecting to be here, but, um, you know, I, I, I just happened to drop by. I wasn't expecting to see you here either. Alfred, do you know Elliot? No. But, uh... I mean, I guess I kind of do, because I'm a figment of your imagination. Don't say that. Don't... No, don't say that. Boy, this town sure is is strange. Um, I look at my watch, and uh, what's it say as the, the time on there? Late afternoon, let's say 3.45. And, um, yeah, I'll uh, wind it real quick, um, kind of nervously, and lift it up to my ear to listen for the clicks to make sure that it's um it's ticking then i'll go um i i'm sorry i intruded maybe maybe i should uh get going wait a minute are you conscious like you're you're aware that you're here and that this shouldn't be happening should it not i'm just as confused as you are hon i've had this this dream before you know it's it's a recurring thing this is easily one of the worst days of my life um are, are, are you proposing that we're we're 
dreaming right now? Maybe I'm dreaming. I mean, I think I am. <laughs> well, this is, uh, this is both frightening and fascinating. Um, I'm going to uh, take something off of the table and drop it. I think there's dishes set at the table, so you pick up a plate and you drop it on the floor and it shatters. That was my mother's wedding china, but go ahead. Um, sorry, uh, and I'm going to reach down and examine the, the shatters. Um, so it does not look... Like, it looks way too uniform. Like, it... It seems almost as if Dorothy's imagination is pleased enough with it falling and shattering like it would in real life. And so this is close enough, and so it doesn't really need to be accurate. And it's just like these even pieces that are sitting there. So when she says that it was her mother's china, does it also look like my mother's china? No. Uh, yeah, I pick up a piece and hold it up into the light and uh, kind of examine it. It's just your run-of-the-mill, very normal. Like, it's it's nice, you know what I mean? Like, it's very nice uh, dining wear, but it's, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing special about it. But there's a lot of detail. You would imagine that this is probably something that is important to Dr. Greenbank. I, I apologize. I've, I've never had any sort of dream that has behaved like this. Usually I don't have control of myself. And I start to kind of examine the backs of my hands and in the palms and try to take in the situation and get any sort of, um, sort of faculties of myself. You look exactly as you should. And are you usually present in, in your dream? This one usually just follows the script. I mean, it's never been like this. And uh, Dorothy will reach out and, like, put a hand on Alfred's arm. And I'm assuming he feels real. Yeah, absolutely. As real as you remember him. And she will cross over to the kitchen door and open it. There's nothing outside of the door. Elliot is going to uh, go over that way as well and sort of stand in the door frame and look outside. Elliot, you see this long hallway with doors on either side and it seems to extend to infinity. Um, Dr. Greenbank, you would see that as well when Elliot gets near the doorway that you have open. Does the hallway look familiar to me at all? Like the, the carpet and, and wallpaper or anything? Not at all. Nope. It's very generic. It's just... Does it look familiar to me? No. It's like just very sterile white with these very just generic brown doors. Like they aren't even numbered. They look exactly the same, but they just extend into infinity, like I said. Before we go on, we should check the front door. And I'm going to run over to the front door and open it and see what it has on that side. The same thing? Um, I'm going to take a step out of the front door and into that hallway 
and say, uh, what does it look like on your side when I do this? So if you're going out the other one, you would see Elliot step out into the hallway, but maybe a um, hundred feet down. You just stepped out into the hallway from a different door. I mean, Elliot, if you looked down, you would probably uh, hear it echoing from a um, from hundred feet, like in front of you. Yeah, when, when I hear that, I definitely look over towards her from that new direction. And uh, I kind of get a smile on my face, like this is exciting to him. What do y'all want to do? Elliot, come back into the kitchen. Instead of going back through the door that I just left, I'm going to walk down the hallway towards the, the kitchen in the direction that she is. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. Because, like, your footsteps are just echoing. And the... You know what I mean? Like, just everything about this is just different. And the way that you're perceiving it is different from probably anything you've ever experienced before in your life. Yeah, as I go, I'm going to touch the walls and some of these extra doors including the, the doorknobs, but I'm not going to turn any of them yet. And as I get back to her, I'm like, <clears throat> this is, uh, this is fundamentally strange. We need to see where these other doors go to. Do you have anything to write on? Not with me, no. Um, hold on a minute. And she'll walk over to, I'm assuming there's like the standard junk drawer in the kitchen. <laughs> If you're thinking of it, as soon as you open up that drawer, um, whatever you're looking for will be right there on the top. Okay, so pen and paper. Uh, check to see if it works. Write your name. I've read that um, you can't see or perceive writing in your dreams. Uh, Dr. Dorothy Greenbank. But she did read the letter. You did? Correct. I already read the draft letter. He gets a, another big smile on his face, and he's like, this, <laughs> this is phenomenal. This is one of the worst days of my life. But it's not actually that day. I couldn't have been here that day. It's clear now. I, I would have been probably ten years old. No, this is a new day, and this is a, a phenomenon that's never never been described before and and we need to take this time right now to, to do it and then you each wake up in your respective beds um, Elliot you find yourself strapped down to um, to a bed um, in this like large log cabin that has like these um, curtains sort of separating where you're at but you are not strapped down actually you are Handcuffed. Both of your hands are handcuffed to the side of what now looks more like a, a medical bed, but you're definitely inside of like a log cabin as well. And um, Dorothy, you wake up in your hotel room. Alfred? Elliot? You're alone in your room at the Four Seasons. It's probably 6 a.m. It's, you know, gonna get light soon. 
I'd like to call the uh, boarding house. Um, okay. <laughs> you call, I think that you would call the beaver trading post just because that would be um, the most likely somebody would answer. And it rings for a very long time before eventually you hear Jan's voice on the other end and she goes, Hello, uh, beaver trading post? Hi, this is Dr. Dorothy Greenbank. Um, I there's a man with you staying with you by the name of Elliot Holloway. Um, could I please speak to him or connect connect to his room, please? Thank you. Yeah, all right. Uh, okay. Just hold on for a second. Uh, and she's gone for a while. Like you're just kind of waiting for probably fifteen minutes, and then she gets back on and she goes. Well, uh, he ain't answering his door. Um, I don't know if he's sleeping real heavy-like, but I found it pretty loud, you know. Everybody else around him woke up, and, well, they were none too happy. Uh, but it don't appear that he's... he's here. All right. Okay. Thank you, John. Uh, no problem. And she'll hang up the phone. You would know that Dart stays here and that Ronnie doesn't live very far from here. Um, so you could start there if you wanted. Uh, she's going to try to find Dart's room. Yeah, because you guys all went and found Dart um, originally when you came to the Four Seasons yesterday. So yeah, you know where his room is. You go and you uh, knock on the door. Dart, you were probably up playing pretty late, so you know it's up to you how you want to deal with this it, I think it'll be a couple minutes of knocking but Dart will uh, come to the door bleary eyed still wearing like the uh, pants and the button up shirt that he had on uh, yesterday like he just passed out in the performing clothes and <clears throat> oh shit oh. it's Dr. Greenbank oh. Oh, how do you do, Dr. Greenbank? Well, when I tell you that I've been better. But anyway, so I think Elliot's missing. Uh, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he wasn't sleeping here. He, he went back to the post, I think. Or up to the beaver. I know when I called the post, and he wasn't there. Yeah. Well... I don't think he's got a phone in his room, so I don't think he would answer it. No, I called and asked to speak to him, and Jan couldn't get him because he didn't answer his door. Now, I don't know about you, but academics aren't very heavy sleepers. And there was this thing last night where I thought I was dreaming, and then he was there. And I promise this is true. This is all true, all right? I sound insane. You had a dream with Elliot? I think he's a married man. No, it was a dream with my husband. And then Elliot was there. My husband, Alfred. And then Elliot showed up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was his wife there? In your dream? I've never met his wife. How would I know what she looks like? To imagine her in a dream. But here's the thing. I don't think it was a dream because I could read writing. Uh... But then if it wasn't a dream... His wife still could have been there. Well, she wasn't there. 
Oh, yeah. But she could have been, is what I'm saying. She could have been, but she wasn't. Let me think about this for a second. Okay. You had a dream with your husband, then not a dream with Elliot, and now he's missing. Do you think maybe it's possible that, uh, maybe he, uh, he and Nora uh, reconciled last night? I didn't, I didn't see him after, uh, after the show at all. Don't be vulgar. I, it, it, it's possible, but I, I just... What do you this... mean, don't be vulgar? Reconciled isn't a vulgar word. What? They, it's, it's, this is They're married, it's head. not. I'm saying maybe he's with her, you know. It's just, this is insane. It was, it was the day Alfred was drafted, and then Elliot was there. But we were there, there. This was not a dream, right? He broke a plate. I read, I wrote, I read. It, it, it this was not a dream. This was an experience. Alright, so do you have any idea where he might be then? No, I don't. Uh, how did he leave last night? I drove him back to the trade post when Ronnie went to get his car. And he seemed all he seemed all settled in there? He didn't seem... Yeah. Oh. Alright, let's go get Ronnie and see. Maybe, maybe he saw something and just decided not to bring it up. Though he's always talking. He probably would have, huh? Alright. Alright, get dressed. Yeah. <laughs> Dart looks down and just starts buttoning up the buttons on his shirt. It's like, uh, yeah, alright. Uh. <laughs> no, I need to get dressed too. Give me, give 10 minutes. 10, 15. 15 minutes. We'll reconvene right here. Change clothes. Yeah. Oh yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Right here, or like downstairs? Down Let's get uh, coffee just... downstairs. Yeah. Okay. Ten minutes. All right. Because this whole time it's just been like full like nighty robe curlers scarf like. <laughs> Dorothy has been full fifties sleeping this entire time. Dart closes the door and goes back to sleep. Oh, you douchebag! <laughs> um. So, Dart, are you going to wake up in fifteen minutes, or are you going to leave uh, Dorothy down there holding two coffees? By herself. Yeah, he'll he'll set his alarm clock and realize just how early it is, and uh, be like, "Fucker!" Set his alarm for probably like twenty minutes <laughs> <laughs> before he shows up. Okay, so yeah, um, dirt is a little bit late, but uh, and he's still wearing the same clothes that he was before, but he is there, Dorothy. Here's your coffee. Let's go. Come on. Make it snappy. Quick step. Let's go. I'm going. I'm going. Jesus. Lordy Lou. Dart's going to uh, chug his coffee and light up a cigarette as he follows her. Okay. Out to the car. <laughs> I'm assuming it's like buried in snow or some shit. No, it's it snowed last night, but it wasn't uh, a tremendous amount. So you just have to kind of clear off the windshield and scrape it off a little bit, but doesn't take you too long okay all right get in get in get in and ronnie does not live far you know he is just down the road maybe uh half a mile and he lives in this two-story farmhouse that honestly you wonder how he you know afforded it but 
he already told you that it's not his, so I guess there's that. But yeah, you make your way to Ronnie's house. Alright, just walk up the stairs, knock, knock, knock. Definitely no response. What time is it anyway? It's like 6.30. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, like, the sun is just coming up at this point. Oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, I... Art tries the door to see if it's open. It is. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> and it, thankfully so, because it's cold as shit outside, because it's early in the morning, so it's like, you know, minus five, and uh, the wind is blowing a little bit, so it's good to get inside where it's warmer. Mr. Pinkerton? There's nothing. Oh, my God. <sighs> Did you uh did you call ahead for his place too, or or did you just try to post? I just tried to post. Ah. Okay. Uh, you know where where he sleeps? No, I don't know where he sleeps. I don't know. You seem closer than I am. <clears throat> I suppose we should make coffee then. Yes. Yes. Um. I'm gonna start rummaging around and. Ronnie's kitchen for coffee. Um, yeah, I think that you're able to find a, a kettle to put on hot water and and some coffee beans and you know the old-fashioned percolator and stuff. If this doesn't wake him up. I guess you know a sharp smack to the top of the head will do it or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, that's a pretty good idea. You find him, and uh, I'll make sure this doesn't burn. Okay, break. <laughs> Ronnie, where's your room in the house? It's a farmhouse, and he's upstairs at the end of the hall. <laughs> All right. Uh, it it would would it be safe that Dorothy would assume that he's that he's upstairs? Like. Yeah, you know Wisconsin farmhouses. You know where the bedrooms would be. All right. Right at the end of the hall, where the master bedroom is, pounding on the door. Oh, it's open. Oh my god. <laughs> Alright, she walks in and just, like, and pokes his, like, leg. Just, like, she's standing at the foot of the bed. Well, he's sleeping on the floor. Oh. Next to his bed. <laughs> and, uh, you see him, he's wearing these, like, uh, hand-knitted footy pajamas with a trap door in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie. Ah. Uh. Ronnie mm. pokes him with her foot again. Ronnie, what? Elliot's missing. Dart and I are downstairs making coffee. Get up. Who's Elliot? The snowflake, Frosty, whatever the hell you call him. <sighs> Frosty's missing. Yes. Who are you? I'm Dr. Greenbank. Oh. I think I must have blacked out. Where's my bed? Right next to you, hon. I, I mean, judging by the footy pajamas, you must have had time to change before you blacked out. Unless you tended bar in them, which I don't remember. No. I don't think my Nana would have approved. What's going on? Elliot's, uh, Frosty's missing. Uh, I brought Dart. We're downstairs. Uh, your front door was unlocked, which, you know, is a safety hazard. Don't do that. Uh, Some crazies might come in. 
Hey, we were fishing through the garbages last night. I remember that. We were. We were. And I had this dream that I want to tell you guys about. Well, I don't think it was a dream. I think it was an experience. But I want to tell you about it all the same. So get up. You don't have to get dressed yet. But I'd appreciate it if you did. Simply because I don't appreciate the trap door. And, uh... Oh, oh. I'm going to check and make sure I didn't leave it open. No, it's closed. Uh, Dr. Okay, Greenbank yes. makes her way downstairs so you can <laughs> get dressed. and It's soiled, but closed. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to make that a thing with all of your characters. <laughs> you absolutely are not. <laughs> I probably won't come down for at least 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> All right, so uh, I think that y'all are probably sipping on coffee um, for a while by the time um, by the time Ronnie makes his way down. Okay. Fresh as a. Mm. You uh, you made coffee. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get enough of it back at the hotel. Someone was in a real rush to meet with you. Hey, that's all right. Mm. Be brewed enough for me. No. I start pouring myself a second cup <laughs> out of the clearly like full percolator. He's lying. Of course we did. Vandamikia, son of a bitch. I just mumble something unintelligible at you. <laughs> I offer him a cigarette too. <laughs> that is a good peace offering. I'm gonna take him up on it and say, uh, "What'd you say about a dream?" So, I don't think this was a dream. This was an experience, right? I have a recurring dream about my husband getting drafted, which, you know, actually happened, and it, I probably should talk to someone about that. But this is something that has been happening for a while, except this time it was different. This time, I could read the draft letter, which doesn't happen in dreams. I could sign my name, and Elliot was there. Hey, how did you know where I live? Of course I know where you lived. I dropped you off here. Oh, that's right. Wait. You drove me to my car. <laughs> well, I think that you guys followed each other back or something. It doesn't matter. You never shut up. You know as soon as you drove past your house, like on the way out to um, Pembine, you would have been like, Hey, there's my house. And <laughs> <laughs> that's a super valid point. And that's a absolutely what happened. Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta learn to keep my trap shut both of them so anyway and Elliot was there this time alright and it, and he broke a plate so we so we know he was there it was physical right and then we went out the door and at first there was nothing and then he walked up beside me and then there was this hallway with a bunch of doors in it and one led from the front room of my house in Marinette back into the hallway alright it was like a loop-type situation. I'm already lost. You can't break a plate in your dream? Uh, but you, I don't know. I've never tried. I'm just saying that this time it was physical. All right? We could do things that you can't really do in dreams. Read writing, etc. So you dreamed about Elliot. Jesus, God. <laughs> no, she says it wasn't a dream there. You had an experience with him. Yeah, that's more accurate. No. Carry on. That happened, and then I woke up, and he wasn't—he was not in my room with me, obviously, because he went back to the trading post. And then I called the trading post and tried to speak to him, and he wasn't there. 
and I, I don't... Something feels off. Well, it couldn't have gotten far. He's on a bike. No, exactly. Exactly. And it's snowing. So why'd you come here? Well, because I couldn't exactly go to the police and say, Oh, I had a dream about someone and now they're missing. Or at least I think they're missing. But you haven't gone and looking for Frosty yet? No, I haven't gone looking for Frosty yet. That's why I got you guys. Well, we should probably get a move on. No time like the present. I can't believe I say it, but I fully agree. You know, I don't like this. I once knew a greaser back in New York who told me about a jazzy speakeasy that was in full swing. Something felt fishy about the situation, but I didn't want to be a wet rag, so I let him take me into the dark alley. And two time and crook had two couple of thugs waiting for me, and I lost three C-notes that night, so I've learned to listen to my gut. And unless I got a bad case of indigestion right now, which I probably have, it's telling me that something's wrong. And I don't like this. Well, first of all, exactly, and second of all, how are you old enough to know what a speakeasy is? I barely remember Prohibition, and I was in my 20s. Hey, they had dozens of them still in New York. Up and running. They left over from the good old days. I think those are just called bars. And also, I don't believe you've ever had three C-notes on you, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I made some good money back in New York. Alright, just drink some coffee for your indigestion and let's get going. Alright, so you pile into Dorothy's car, which is parked behind your car. Ronnie. Fuck you. Because it's in your driveway. Smell what I'm stepping in, that your car's there, you know what I mean? In that spot that you uh, keep shoveled so you can park your car in that area. It's parked. That's where it is. <laughs> it's parked sideways in there somehow, but uh, it's in there. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. It's going to be really hard to get it out of there, but yeah, it's, it's there for sure. Fast and Furious, Mana to Walk Drift. The second time I've wanted to rage quit today. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, yeah, so you start making your way towards Pembine, and we will cut to Elliot. Elliot, can you please make me a sanity roll? So it's, I rolled a seven, and 20 is my sanity, so that's under, All right. correct? Yeah. Yep, so you'll take uh, half damage from this. So you will okay. take uh, four points, which will turn to two um, sanity damage. Two sanity Samity damage. <laughs> Alright. Um but yeah, you're uh you're in this like kind of makeshift uh like doctor's office type thing. Um and like I said, you're handcuffed to the bed at this point. Um you have a bunch of blankets on you, like uh you're still kind of cold, like your joints just ache a little bit at this point. Um, but uh, you kind of look at your fingertips and whatnot, and most of the color has sort of returned to them. And uh, then the uh, well, if I if I have blankets up. on, oh, go ahead. and I'm handcuffed to the bed, I wouldn't be able to see my fingerprints or see my fingers to see if they. Eh, fair enough. But you like you flex them, and you can feel that you know the feeling is starting to come back. Um, but anyway, the curtain will open up, and uh, you'll see this maybe fifty-year-old uh, gentleman. He's got a big bushy mustache and uh, short cropped hair, and he's got a stethoscope around his uh, neck. And he walks in, and he goes, uh, "How you feeling?" I feel awful. Um, 
still kind of cold. Um, what what happened? I was just having a very very odd dream, and uh, am I am I bound to this the bed? Well, yep. Uh, you came in and with an acute hypothermia, and then that there sheriff in the other room, he seems to think that you might have murdered some Wait, folks. Wait, the, the man, what, what, is he okay? I found a body in the snow. I, I, I followed the tracks. That- oh, no, he's not okay at all. Oh, my God. S- severe lacerations all over his body. I mean, we're talking, this man was butchered said it's starting to come back to me now um yes i I remember i i heard a noise late in the night and um i went out to figure out what it was Uh, are you writing this down i'm sure you need to take a statement i mean i'm not a police officer i'm your doctor uh dr rick wagner and he'll uh reach out uh and then he'll say oh right you're anyway uh most folks around here call me oki on account i'm from oklahoma in present situation, I guess, uh, temporarily excluded. Nice to, to meet you. Is the sheriff near? I, I would really like to speak to him, if, if at all possible. Yeah, I can go and fetch him for you. Um, I've been trying to convince him that there ain't enough blood on you for the type of damage that was done to that man in, well, small towns, you know, not a whole lot of folk to look at stuff, so brought the body here and I inspected it and I do not see how you would have so little blood on you if you well if you did it but that sheriff he seems pretty hell bent on bringing you in so well I assure you that I I didn't but uh I would like to speak to him all the same thank you good luck and he'll uh go out the curtain and he'll be gone for maybe 20 minutes and uh, then the curtain will open again and yeah so um, you would see uh, the sheriff he doesn't have on that uh, large sort of uh, fur bomber cap on that he you know with the flapped ears and stuff that he did the last time that you saw him you would imagine that he's probably been indoors for a while um, and he's just in his standard uniform, no jacket or anything like that, and he doesn't have any hair on top of his head except for a few wisps, and um, he looks at you and he says, uh, well, uh, things aren't looking good for you there, Mr. Mr. Holloway, right? Holloway, yes, uh, we met yesterday morning at, at the the resort. Oh yeah, I remember you. So, uh, what happened last night? So, after I returned home and was doing my, um, nighttime reading, I heard something outside, and it being so late, I went to investigate. It sounded like somebody was walking through the, the deep snow. Um, and, and I did find tracks. It was, must have been a block later, maybe two, I, I found a huddled mass in the in the snow and I went to investigate and when I came upon it they were there was there was blood everywhere and that's the the last thing I remember I I believe I might have fainted from the the shock of it oh yeah um 
Well, here's the thing here, pal. Uh, you were found, you know, um, in front of a house near where the body was, banging on the door like a crazy person. Don't know how long you were out in the cold, but you were out there a mighty long time. And I got to bring somebody in for this. And, you know, you were you were there. Uh, you were nearby. You were up. You were out in the cold for God knows how long with no jacket on. And, I mean, what are you doing, feller? Like, tell me why I shouldn't bring you back to the jail and let the attorneys figure it all out. Well, for one, there's the presumption of innocence. Uh, I had no, nothing on me. Um, I, you know, was not well equipped for that kind of situation. Um, I had no motive. Um, anyways, none of that, none of that exactly matters. Um, you said you pulled up when I was knocking on the door. I was trying to inform them of what I found. Yeah, you passed out again after, you know pounded on the door and had given, you know, Miss Mary a big fright. I assure you I'm, I'm frightened as well. Um, and I, I tried to explain to you at yesterday morning, there, there's something going on here in this town. I, I'm a, a researcher by training. I, I'm, I investigate scientific matters. So you're telling me there's some sort of Sciencey thing causing all this uh, chaos and it's killing people now. I'm sorry to hear that the man had died, but um, science is about discovering sciencey things. It's about solving mysteries and figuring out a natural way to describe them. <sighs> he'll uh, reach into a pocket and he'll pull out a cigarette and he'll offer you won um yeah yes uh well I, I would like my i guess my pipe is back at the uh at the boarding house um yeah yes i'd like one thank you he comes over and he unlocks the cuffs off of your right hand and he'll hand you a cigarette and he'll hold out his zippo and light it for you and then he'll put his lighter back and He'll sit down in the chair next to your bed and he'll take a few drags and he'll say, Here's the thing. We've had a lot of people dying around here lately and it's not always, you know, the normal things. It's not just folk falling through the ice and, and you know, getting attacked by something, getting too close to a bear's cubs or, you know, the like. But, I mean... That man there, he, we don't even know his name yet. He's, he's unidentifiable, you know? That's, uh, that's uncomfortable to hear. Um, it's not the reason I came here, but since I've been here, um, I've met some people, uh, Dr. Dorothy Greenbank, and, you know, she filled me in on some of these disappearances and uh, she is a scientific researcher herself and has her own um, ideas on what could possibly be causing these things. Oh yeah, I've talked to 
Dr. Greenbank a few times before, you know, she's mostly coming to have us, you know, deal with people who are messing with the equipment and whatnot, because let's be honest, most folks think she's a bit, and he'll like make the um, circular motion around uh, with his index finger pointing towards his brain. Right. Um, oh, uh, pardon. Do you have an ashtray? Uh, he'll kind of like look around and he'll grab um, like this uh, stainless medical tray <laughs> and he'll like set it next to you. <laughs> okay. It's like a like a chamber pot or bedpan or whatever. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, I kind of shrug as he hands it to me and I put it over there and start ashing in it. Thank you. What I'm getting at is these things, they they might not be as simple as murders like you may think. And uh, I, I think you might need more instrumentation, um, perhaps people that are uh, trained in doing this type of uh, detective work. The more resources you could get, the, the better likelihood there is of these things getting solved. So what, I'm supposed to call the FBI? Uh, isn't that what they're there for? He kind of like gives you a, a like shocked look almost like uh, he didn't really think of that. <laughs> I mean, I, get, I suppose I could, suppose I could make a few calls. Um, I'm not even sure how I go about doing that to be honest with you i'm willing to help you in any way that i can i mean this is this is an odd occurrence and i'm planning on staying in town for a while so all right here's the thing then um i'm gonna make my way back to marinette okay i'm gonna take your cuff off and so long as you promise me that you're gonna be uh well, where are you staying at? I'm staying at the uh, boarding house right next to the uh, trading post, Beaver Trading Post. Oh, John's place, yeah? Yep. Okay. So you promise me you're still going to be staying there, you know, the next few weeks here or so. I'll head back, uh, see what I can dig up, and if the attorneys say I should arrest you, I'm sorry, but... You know, my hands are tied. <laughs> my hands are literally tied. So, um, yes, uh, we're, we're in the same boat here. He'll uh, kind of laugh and he'll um, take out the key and he'll undo the other set of cuffs. And I'll kind of rub my wrist, uh, kind of, you know, get the blood flowing. Be careful, you know, because being, out, being outside late at night when it's cold is going to be, you know real bad for you so try to avoid that in the future okay uh, yes I've <laughs> that's one thing um, I've discovered myself um, apparently my research didn't prepare me for that if you don't mind I can go through my story again I know that's usually customary in, in these sort of things I can go as in depth as you like yeah let's do that yeah he'll uh, pull out another cigarette and he'll hand it to you and he'll pull out um a notepad and he'll start scribbling down as you 
recount this, the story to him, and uh, maybe 30 minutes later, I would say, you know, you're done with him, like, asking questions and going back and forth and things like that, and so then he'll get in his vehicle and um, drive off, and what would you like to do? You, uh, you can leave at any point, you would imagine, that um, if you'd like to head back to the boarding house or whatever, you can. Yeah, um, so I'm <laughs> I'm still in just, like, uh, boots and bed flannels and stuff like that, probably, so, um, um, uh, Dr. Wagner. Yes, sir? Uh, would you mind if I use your phone? Do what you gotta do there, feller. And he'll motion towards the phone, um, that's sitting on the desk out in the waiting room. Yeah, I'm gonna call the, uh, the resort, and, um, yeah, I'm gonna ask for, um, for, uh, if Ronnie Pinkerton is in today. Um, you will, uh, get the front desk, and, uh, it'll be... Hello, Four Seasons. This is Missy. Uh, hello, Missy. Um, is, uh, Ronnie working today at the bar? Oh, no, it's, uh, far too early for that. Oh, yes, uh, forgive me, um, tell you what, uh, would I remember what room, um, that, uh, Dart was staying in? 207. Um, could you connect me to room 207, please, uh, Vanderbeek? Oh, y- you mean the band leader? He already left this morning with, uh, a lady. I, I cover the receiver on the phone, um... Dr. Wagner, how far away are we from the, uh, from the trading post? Half a mile. I take my hand back off the receiver. Um, you know, that'll be, uh, that'll be fine. Um, I'll try back later. Thank you. Okay, have a good rest of your day. And she'll hang up. Yeah, and uh, he hangs up and he breathes out, uh, like a, a big deep breath. Um, which way up the street is it? Um, he'll walk with you out onto the porch and he'll just, uh, point, um, down the, down the street and then say, and you'll just have to take a ride down there. Thank you. Um, I, I should be able to make it that far without, uh, hypothermia kicking in. Yeah, just keep it at a jog or something, you know, get the blood pumping and he'll kind of smirk at you. Uh, thank you, doctor. No problem. You stay safe there, feller. Yeah, and I start, like, um, you know, doing my hands real fast and then breathing into them to kind of warm them up, and then I'll start uh, jogging that way. Okay, so, um, Dr. Greenbank, as you're driving into Pembine, um, you start to approach the beaver trading post, and you look out, and you can see somebody in pajamas and a flannel um, that is like kind of briskly jogging down the uh, sidewalk and like rubbing their hands together and you're almost positive it's Elliot. And she goes, is that? Is that? And I just imagine like Ronnie and Dart are just like sleeping in the back seat. And she just like hits the back of the driver's seat and she goes, guys, boys, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Aww. Uh, what? Almost got a kiss. Is that, is that Elliot? 
Yeah, I would recognize the car too, especially when it kind of slams on brakes <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> stop jogging and uh, kind of wave and then kind of shrug. Hey there, stranger. Uh, hello. Um, sorry you have to see me like this. We've all been there. It's been a very interesting morning. And apparently last night, too. At least your trap was shut. Hey, Frosty, you better get in. You catch a cold. Yes, I'm, uh, earning my moniker today. You look worse than the day I first saw you. <laughs> yeah. I step inside the vehicle and start, like, trying to warm my hands again. We were looking for you, hon. Where were you? Dart off, Bruce. From the cigarette. Uh, well, uh... Apparently last night I stumbled across, uh... Another slain person. Um, not only a block from up where I'm staying. I, I, I heard something during the night. I went out to investigate and I found this body. And then must have passed out or something. And then woke up and I, I tried to alert the authorities. I went up to the closest house that I could find. But um, apparently I, the, the shock was too much and I wasn't make, making sense. And the long story short, I woke up in the in the clinic there, and um, I was uh, being detained by the police and being treated by Doctor Wagner. Another victim to the shotgun bears. Well, that does explain the blood under your fingernails, but um, you said there was a a body. Yes, um, unfortunately. He didn't make it, or at least that's what uh, I was told by the sheriff and the doctor. Also, apparently it was it, it was mangled up bad enough that they could not identify the, the soul. So one weird thing about that for you, Elliot, though, is you, when you turned the body over, could have swore that it was the wise guy that you saw, but now the sheriff is telling you that uh, that it was mangled beyond recognition and you're you definitely remember that detail from last night it probably just hits you right now that's odd now that I think about it I, I remember seeing a, a face I oh my god Ronnie um, I think it was one of your co-workers there's some kind of gag frosty I, I don't think I see the humor it's one of the the big guys that uh, they were over by the bar right before the, the thing happened that, that one night. You're not talking about Robbie. Jay Robertson from the bar that night? He was one of the late stayers. I, I think that might, might have been him. Um, the big guy. I've learned so many names. The big guy, yes. You know, we had a lot to drink that night. Uh... Maybe you're misremembering. Well, I... I hope so. I don't know anybody that would want to pop Robbie. And believe me, I would know. I hear things. Well, I mean, he was kind of a prick. Sure, but not enough to kill the guy. That wasn't the only strange thing that happened last night, either. Um, it... In, in fact, it may have been this morning. I'm, it's hard to place, but I had a very, very 
peculiar dream. Not you too. Would you call it more of a dream or more of an experience? I, I don't dream much, so I, I would assume this is a dream. Uh, however, it was... Um, I believe they call it lucid dreaming. According to Greenbank here, you should have tried to break a plate. That would tell you. <laughs> I, uh... I did break a plate. No kidding. Exactly what I did. <laughs> what are the odds? Dr. Greenbank, I was... I believe I was in your home. With, you were. With your husband. I believe his name is... Is... Alfred. Is Alfred? Yeah. Oh my god. And the plate, it was your mother's. Yes. Say, Greenbank, uh... That funny feeling's coming back to my stomach again. When I opened the back door, we were on a beach. A beach? Yes. Somewhere tropical. No, we were in the hallway. There was a hallway, remember? And you went through the front door. You did see it. It was a hallway. There were thousands of doors. It went on forever. It did, and it... We, and we split the doors. You stood by one, I went out another. And then I exited another door in the hallway. As if they were connected. Uh-huh. Um... Jesus, cold. Um, do you mind taking me by my room? Um, I would very much like to get dressed. Not at all, sweetheart. Washington Valley Forge, bit it cold, but I'm spoke George Fold. Odeo, do 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 Take your lips and do your duty. Everybody calls me cutie. <laughs> For a beer in his midnight ride, all throughout the town he cried, Oh, no deo, no, no, no deo, shake my hand and call me Max, I have a charge account of sacks. His ukulele daily, how he strums it, bum, bum, bums it, dancing and prancing. He hollers black bottom, crazy words, crazy tunes. He'll be driving me crazy soon with that old odio, do 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 da The Devil's Antlers is a Time to Die Podcast Network production. Find all of our shows at timetodierpg.com. If you would like to support us financially, you can pledge any amount of money at patreon.com slash timetodierpg or make a one-time donation at ko-fi.com slash timetodierpg. We have merchandise at sonerdware.com slash timetodie, and if you use the discount code timetodie at checkout, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase. The ukulele music you're hearing right now is by Charlotte Pelgin. Find her at charlottepelgin.com, or her social media links are available in the description of this episode. She just released a brand new album, and you should definitely check it out if you like early era swing and jazz music. You can find all of our social media accounts, as well as those of our players, in the episode description. Our crew for this show was Tim Demuse, Chris Riley, Aubrey Gray, Eric Pat, and I'm Brian Bridges. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time for more of The Devil's Antlers. Give me, give me,
to your black bottom You all heard yesterday What did President Coolidge say? Vododio, vodododio Vododio, vodododio Vododio, vodododio Vododio, vodododio